Amy and I are going to tell you a story in just a second, but it's a story that features something we need to talk about just a little bit before we get there, because there's a hair-raising moment in the story, and I want you all to be prepared. And it's really good to be part of a larger ministry team, because when I brought this story to Howard, I was just... It's a great story, great teaching story, and but Howard actually knows about Wells. I'm a city kid. I didn't know anything about Wells. I'm a country kid. I know everything about Wells. <laughs> so we know what a well is, right? It's, it's a deep hole in the ground. It's usually dug by human beings because they needed water, and they come in a whole variety of forms, but the classic form is that it's it's, you know, it's round usually, and it's sometimes lined with uh, rocks, or sometimes it's lined with steel these days. Sometimes it's just an earthen one. Sometimes you can get water by going not very far down into the ground, but sometimes you have to go way, way, way down. Well, I grew up in Montana, which is pretty arid, and in Montana you have to go way, way way down with your well. So a well is an important thing because without water, both people and animals, and of course plants and everything else, but especially people and animals, if they don't have a place to drink, they don't um, survive very long. So having a well or having a, a source of water is very important. And certainly in more desert climates like uh, the Mountain West or places in the Middle East or, or other places in our globe, those wells were even scarce themselves. It was a long way between wells, or a long way between from oasis to oasis. And there was this idea that if you were around a well, or if you had gotten yourself to an oasis, that the water was there for you to drink. And it was community property, and everyone was to share the water from the well. And even if you were in the oasis with your enemies... That was a place where everybody got to be refreshed and nobody fought around the well and nobody fought around the oasis. Well, back to the hair-raising part of the story that's coming up about wells. When I was growing up, we were absolutely forbidden, 100% forbidden from going anywhere near the well. Because as kids, we would occasionally look down in it, but only with our parents very close by because it was... It was, I don't know, it was probably about this big around. And it went way, way down. And occasionally we would drop a stone down and, and count the number of seconds it would take for the rock to hit the bottom. So we were never, ever, ever allowed to play near the well because it was a dangerous place. It was a necessary thing on the farm, but it was a dangerous place. And in fact, it even had its own little special um, covering with a door, and the door had a padlock on it. That's how important it was to not be anywhere near the well. So when we come to this part in the story that's a little hair-raising, I want you to kind of imagine that and imagine what our central character is doing because there's a little danger involved in this story. So this is also our disclaimer. If you come across a well, don't climb down don't into the well. Don't go down into it. This is it. a teaching story. It's partially metaphor. <laughs> I didn't know. But the important thing is that what's at the bottom of the well is really, really, really important and really, really valuable. Let's yeah. start. So as Unitarian Universalists, we have six sources. We draw from different sources for inspiration and wisdom. And today, our story comes from the Muslim tradition. 
One day, Muhammad told his friends and followers a story about a man, a well, and a dog. This was the story. A man left his home to take a long journey. It was a hot day. And he had not walked far before his head began to ache and his mouth felt dry. Some of you may have had this feeling even last week. The sun blazed overhead and the fields he passed were brown and withered and no water could be seen. I am so thirsty. I must find water, he muttered. Soon I will come to a well. And just as he had the thought, he saw a well by the side of the road, and thankfully he hurried to it, almost tasting the sweetness of the cold water. But when he peered into the well, he saw no water. The well was dry. Disheartened and even more thirsty now, he continued along the scorching road, hoping to find another well. Sure enough, before long he saw one. At last, water, he whispered. He looked into that well. It too was dry. We've all seen that image, right? Sometimes in cartoons of the poor guy crawling through the desert, maybe with cactuses all around and say, Vultures circling overhead. You know what I'm talking about. It's not an easy image. It's not an image that we particularly think of here in Concord, settled as we are in a forested part of our country with rivers and ponds nearby. Oh, we might get a week or two of drought in the summer at times. But there's the big Quabbin Reservoir flowing along and go walking in the woods and there are mountain streams all around us. Still... Even in this green place, we can see something in that image we understand, the feeling of lack. We know what it's like to want or even need something and to not be able to get it. The great thing about stories like this one is that they invite us to think deeply about things. And in this case, even though this is a story about a man looking for water, I think it's also about something deeper. Have you ever had a feeling in the pit of your stomach that just made you feel anxious and uncertain? Sometimes we're not even sure what that feeling is about. Things don't feel right, but we don't know what to do. So we treat it like we are lacking something. Oh, I know. I'll just raid the freezer and get myself some ice cream, and then I will feel better. But after the ice cream, we don't really feel better. We might actually feel a little bit worse. I think this story is pointing to the experience that we all have at some time, in some way, the feeling that we are lacking something and we're looking for something to fill that lack. The further we go, the thirstier we get. What could satisfy our thirst? Our story continues. There wasn't a drop of moisture in the land. With a parched throat and feeling weak, the man walked on. I can't go much further without water, he thought. And then he saw a well. Almost afraid to hope, he looked over the edge, and far below in the darkness, water sparkled. Allah be praised, the man said. He looked around for a rope or a bucket. 
there was none. There was nothing to draw up the life-giving water. Only one way remained. If the water would not come up to him, he would have to go down to it. He scrambled over the top and carefully, bracing himself against the sides with his arms and legs, he descended into the well. Deeper and deeper he went, until at last he touched the cool, wet water. Cupping his hands, he scooped the water and he drank and drank. He murmured, praise Allah for the liquid of life. Remember that feeling of lack I was talking about? Mm, It feels good when you find something that really satisfies you. Jeff Lockwood is a writer, scientist, and a Unitarian Universalist who lives out on the plains of Wyoming, a place where water is almost always a concern. But it's also a place where most people know where their water's coming from, usually from a well in the ground. That's similar to us. We pretty much know where our drinking water comes from. Those of us in and around Concord, it's reservoirs. For those of us who live far from a town center, it may be a well in the ground. But Jeff notes that that's not true for everybody. Some people can't get clean drinking water out of the tap, so they have to turn to bottled water. They have to rely on a company to provide it for them. Either way, everyone needs water every day. Being certain about where our drinking water comes from is a bit like being certain about our religious beliefs. Often we don't even question where they have come from. We just know that we have them. Other times, we know who taught us what to believe, but we don't know why. We are like the townspeople who turn on the faucet and don't really think about where the water comes from. Jeff says that something that makes him grateful about Unitarian Universalism is that we see so many sources of religious truths that each of us has a direct experience with wonder and beauty in the world. That helps us see how each of us is worthwhile and how we are connected with all things. Sure, we drink water every day, but we know that water comes from many places, that there is more water available than we ourselves need. We also know that water, like religious freedom, is not available to everyone in the world equally. Too many people struggle daily, both to have good, clean drinking water and to peacefully express their religion. Unitarian Universalism helps us see that the truth of our world and our lives is not lack, but bounty and abundance. Enough water to satisfy us, heal us, and enough water to share. As the story goes, feeling much better, the man began the long, difficult climb up out of the well, And at last, he reached the top, and he stood again on the road under the hot sun. And he was starting to walk away when he heard this soft sound. And he looked, and he saw a dog looking up at him with very sad, glazed eyes. And he realized that that dog was thirsty, too. In fact, the dog came right up and licked the hem of his robe that had a little moisture on it. This poor animal is as thirsty as I am, the man thought. He'll die in this heat if he doesn't get some water. 
The dog looked up at the man and wagged his tail. The man made his decision. Wait here, he said. I will bring you some water. So into the well he went again. He descended down, 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 all the way to the bottom of the well. And once he got there, he removed his leather shoes and he filled them with water. And then he had to carry it up in his teeth. And you can imagine that climb back up to the top was even harder. But once he got back up to the ground again, he knelt and he opened his boots so the dog could drink. And the dog drank and drank and drank, wagging his tail happily. The man smiled. Now neither of us will die of thirst. He pulled on his damp boots, patted the dog again, and went on his way. That is how the tale of the man, the dog, and the well ends. Like all teaching stories, we are left to draw our own conclusions. And now, as a person of conscience, I can't help but wonder and ask a few questions. If I had been in that situation, would I have even noticed that dog by the side of the road? And if I had, if I had really had empathy and recognized that that dog was as thirsty as I was, would would I have had the fortitude to go back down, all the way down into the well to fetch the water? For that dog. And after the traveler gave the dog the water, the story says he put his boots on, he patted the dog, and he went back on his journey. Well, I bet he had a dog (laughs) by his side. The tale doesn't say so, but don't you think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It seems to me that both The man and the dog were changed by what happened at the well. They were both saved, to say it another way. Now, I do not know if that means that man was rewarded in heaven after he died for his good deeds. Maybe it's because I'm a universalist. Or maybe it's because I'm a religious educator. Or maybe it's because I'm a mom. I'm more interested in who is thirsty in the here and now than I am in any kind of larger theological part of this story. I believe in that moment the traveler found in his heart and in his hands and boots to help that dog, he himself was transformed, changed from an I into a we. And I would bet you a glass of clean water that when he walked on, that dog was with him for many days to come. Many of us brought water here today. We participated in this water ritual. I love these beautiful glass bowls sparkling with the water inside and also all of the little pebbles that were added to it. When you did that in your heart or in your mind's eye with some place outside of our first parish in Concord community, some other journey that you've been on that you've brought to this place. But when all those molecules joined together in that bowl, it became one story. It becomes our holy water, our shared community. Maybe the most important thing we can do as a faith community is to make sure nobody is thirsty, 
How much good could we do with a story that big and bountiful, with a well that wide and deep? In the words of the original water ritual, we come together to question, to hear, to share, to speak, to inspire, and to celebrate through new rituals, knowing that our energy and our hearts are transformed. Blessed be.